You're listening to the God Center Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom of four young boys, I know motherhood's hard. But sometimes I think I make it harder than it needs to be by putting myself in the center of things or even my kids. I forget to place God there and be led by His Spirit. I also tend to forget that I'm surrounded by God. He goes before me, He walks with me on the hard days, and He comes behind me when I make a mistake. So each week I'll interview someone new and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to God-Centered Mom Podcast. Today I am thrilled to get to um, talk with Haley Morgan from thetinytwig.com. Haley and I met two years ago at um, what was called the Relevant Conference and it was held in Pennsylvania then and I just got back from uh, Greenville, South Carolina where it's being held now and um, amazingly, Haley and I are both moms to four boys, uh, but when we met, we each only had three boys. So we've kind of journeyed off on- online only. We haven't seen each other face-to-face since that time. But without further ado, Haley, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hi, Heather. How are you? Oh, I'm good. It's, it's, um, it's that holiday. It's Halloween today. And uh, I just dropped off all my boys, and it felt just like, okay, did I remember this for them and that for them? And they weren't even in costume, but I'm like settling in and so thankful to get to talk to you. Um, Do y'all do any Halloween stuff in your house? Well, we do. We do like all, I mean, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I don't have any of the things that it's like, you know, not treating or anything like that. But, um, so we do all, I mean, most of the stuff, not like scary stuff, but, um, our trick or treating, we're having, we're forecasted to have such bad storms tonight that our trick or treating got canceled in our city. So they're moving it to tomorrow. So, um, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do. We'll see. So that storm that you're getting, we just had yesterday and our church's fall fun fest that we've gone to since my my oldest, who's eight, was a baby. It got canceled, and my boys were de- like crying, devastated. Um, and so we took them to Dave and Buster's to make up for it. Um, and they had good attitudes once it was all said and done. But I was like, seriously? And they were, and then they, then we had all the questions, like, why would God let it rain when we're doing this outreach? I mean, they were really like seeking, oh. you know, theology based reasons on why God would, you know. And anyway. So, yeah. yes, the rain. I had one friend who thought it was going to rain today, and she, like, is pregnant, due any second. And so she created from 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. a scavenger hunt for her kids. Oh, my word. <laughs> to do so that they could go around the house and then end up with this pumpkin full of candy. And I was like, that's only, like, a nesting mom would think. Yes, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Aww. when I was in Chris. Okay, I know you're the boss of this podcast, but I have a question for you. Do yeah. you miss, like – the late night crazy of like the end of pregnancy. Do I miss it? Yeah. I was like so creative and had so much energy then. And I missed that. Okay. So (laughs) I didn't have that. I, that sounds really nice. It was lovely. And I am surprised that I'm finding I'm more of an introvert than I thought. And so it was like these hours upon hours of alone time. Mm. And I missed that. Yeah. See, I was just exhausted. Yeah. Understandably. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I'm really, really, really an extrovert. And I think that my having four children has forced me to be an introvert. And so I've been living in this horrible tension of that. Um, Being forced to be an introvert is like hard, 
hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think I am an extrovert, but I mean, I am. I think I'm closer to the line than I thought I was. But having four kids, like four boys, and now that two, well, really three of them are talking, um, it steals like my energy by the end of the day. So I think that maybe that's what drains me more than I was anticipating. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm finding like I used to be able to write at night or do anything crochet or yeah. I mean, I used to, I did do a lot of creative stuff. Now that you're saying it, I did do a lot of creative stuff when I was pregnant and ah. I just assumed it was my life was making room for the baby like you yeah. say no to more because you're like, well, I'm about to have a baby. I'm about to have a baby. So you have like this space. And so I filled it with crafts. And then once the baby came, it was like, well, there goes that space. Yep, so, there's the baby. <laughs> there's, that's why we did that. Um, yes. Yeah, so I, I do miss, I do miss, like my, I haven't pulled out my crochet needles in probably since he was born. Uh, yeah, I, I did make like a linen flower for friends at that conference. And that kind of fed my creative juices but that's interesting yeah no I don't mind if you take over yeah take over the podcast chica this is this is new all right but we are going to get to the god-centered mom stuff okay so um I think before asking you the first question I'm going to ask you the second question okay um what do you find to be the hardest part of being a mom Um, well, I always get asked questions. I think once you have like more than like a social norm amount of children, (laughs) um, people start to ask you like, well, is it harder? Is it, is having four kids like so hard? And I, so like in the chronology of my momhood, I think going from no kids to then having one child was the hardest, like heart shift for me Mm -hmm. to go from being completely, about myself. I mean, I, I was a believer. I like loved my husband. Like, I feel like we had like a really healthy, um, relationship, but nothing teaches you to be selfless, like having children. So for me, that was like the hardest thing in the timeline of being a mom. But for me, the hardest part of the everyday is the noise. And that might sound so silly, but, um, I deal with chaos really well. Like, People going different directions, lots of different activities going on. But for me, I find uh, the noise really gets to me. Like, I used to have TV on, listen to podcasts, all that. And now I'm like, no, no, nothing, nothing. Not even worship music. Like, I just can't even, it has to be silent apart from the other people in my house that are talking. Yes. So that is the hardest, I think, thing for me in the day-to-day. And that's what will really, like, if I don't take that to the Lord and like surrender that desire to have like quiet and peace, that's what like throws my day in a tailspin is once I'm like, there's no quiet, there's no peace. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what throws my day upside down if I'm not careful. And I think for me, like sometimes it's, it's that selfishness of like, wanting my time or for you, you, like you said, wanting your quiet, it's the expectation or the desire that I should have it. I should have a quiet moment. I should get a second to go to the bathroom without people. It's that then feeling angry at the people that are inhibiting that desire that starts the boiling up. Like the, if I assume I will never get a moment to myself the entire day, then I'm not upset when I never get a moment to myself the entire day. But if like I assume that I should, 
then I get angry and frustrated. Yeah. yeah, I am so there with you. I mean, I think that that is what it boils down to. I'm just, and it's it's hard when those people that spoil your expectation, um, when they look like you and <laughs> they talk like you and they take on your mannerisms. And um, I mean, those are just, they're like little people that are there. Um, and it's so refining. It's so, it just stares, for me, it stares me right in the face. Like when my seven-year-old, who I would say has, the most similar temperament to me Mm -hmm. when he sits there and he kind of reflects my attitude back to me. I'm like, okay, Lord, well, we're going to need to do some business there. Um, and in my heart, I mean, not, I mean, also in his, he has business to do in his own heart, but just realizing that the, the expectations that I set up for my day, um, the way that I mirrored the disappointment and the selfishness and those not being met, really affects my children. Yeah, that's good. Well, and, and I had mentioned to you, um, one struggle I have is not just with, you know, when we're home alone, but like going out in public with all of these children, I tend to find myself, um, in situations where I'm just humiliated and, um, whether it's my son peeing out on a tree in front of our private school, Yes. Uh, but I think it reveals, like you're saying, it's a mirror again. It's a, the holiness of motherhood that it shows, like, I care too much what people think. And um, it was interesting. I sent you that question, you know, what's a time or situation you were humiliated in motherhood? And um, I'd love to hear your answer because I think it's good. Well, I was looking at this question and I was, like, racking my brain. I even talked to my husband. I was like, babe, what? It, when was I humiliated in motherhood? And I had a really hard time thinking of something. And I do think, A, that's indicative of having four boys. And it just it is constant things like that. Um, just of, like, it is. My life is just crazy. But also, I think I have a really short memory for when those things kind of crop up. And... It reminds me of a quote that I had heard from Peyton Manning. He's, well, now he's with the Broncos, but he's like our hometown quarterback with the Colts. Anyway, and I love football. So he says, like, to be a good quarterback, you have to have a short memory. You have to, if you have a bad play or a good play uh, that was the previous play, you have to forget it and you have to get back up to the line of scrimmage and you have to start with the next play. And if you dwell on that last play, even a little bit, then you're going to be distracted from the play that's in front of you. Mm. And for me, I think that that's just how um, my brain goes to operate. Just like, okay, that was interesting. In three days, it's going to be funny. And we're just going to have to move forward and um, go tackle the next thing. Otherwise, I find that um, I do get distracted in my motherhood and I start to it starts to really mess with like the next thing. And I start to like lose my um, control over like my boys. Not that I like control them, but I lose the management that I have over the four of them. And I start to just, that's when the world starts to feel like it's spinning to me. And like, I can't grasp it and keep all of the pieces kind of up there. No, I think that's really wise. Like I think beating myself up over those moments and keep, like replaying them and imagining all the scenarios of (laughs) what it means about me and what it means about them and what I need to change. Like 
just drags me down instead of moving forward and just realizing, one, the childishness of young boys and the impulsivity of boys. And two, like, that's life. I mean, things happen. And like you said, in a few days, it'll be hilarious. Um, So I think that's good perspective. Thank you, Peyton. Love you, Peyton. I And and real quick before we move on, I did not have you tell, like, very briefly, um, how old are your boys? I have an almost seven-year-old, a just-turned-five-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and a a nine-month-old. So So, we basically every two years. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. It's good. My oldest is in first grade, so it's it's been a new season with school and all of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's he goes every day, which he does. Is, and he takes. You, I think you've Instagram or something. He takes a bus, right? He takes a bus, which is with huge. Graders. It is. I mean, that's crazy. When I put him on that bus as a kindergartner, and I knew there were fifth graders on that bus, mm-hmm. I that was the like moment where I felt like, okay, Lord, like. I've said that I, like, mother open-handedly, but this is real life. Somebody else is driving my kid who's not in a car seat on a bus full of, like, 10 and 11-year-olds. That mm. is actually, like, the definition of crazy. So, mm. and, and it's so, like, I was talking to um, my BSF leader, her son's in the military, and she was just saying, like, that moment where she had to send him off to Iraq was like this, okay, Lord, he's yours. And we were saying, but really, they're always gods. Why do we, you know, have these moments where it feels bigger? Like it, I mean, yeah, that seems huge to put them on a bus where someone else is driving. I think it hit me when I was going on my first trip away and my boys were staying with my mom and dad. And I just I was overwhelmed with fear. Like something's going to happen while we're gone. They're going to fall in a pool. They're da, 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 da. And I thought, why do I assume that me being with them means they're safe? Yeah. When, when I'm away, they're not safe. Then if something does happen when they're in my, you know, under me, I'm going to feel like I own it. So I just need to realize, like, no matter whether I'm with them or someone else is with them, that God's always with them. I mean, it sounds so Christianese, but I do think, like, if we could get there earlier, then those kinds of situations wouldn't seem so drastic. Um, yeah, and I think, like, I hear you about, like, why do we have, like, those big moments where we think those, like, scary thoughts or those open-handed thoughts. But for me, I think it's almost like a gift, those big moments for, mm. like, clarity. And because it does help us get get there faster mm. to live that way in the everyday. And I think, like, just how we're wired as humans, we – I mean, that um, Israelites in scripture like always had to have those touchstone mm-hmm. moments of where things were really clear and really obvious to them and they still forgot. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know that I'm super thankful for those kind of milestone things in my kids' lives. Cause it does force me to go back to the idea of they are not mine. They've always been the Lord's and he already has numbered their days. And mm-hmm. for me to worry about that is, not super productive. Not that I don't worry about those things anyway, but. Right. No, that's good. That's really good. So, um, okay. Going back to my questions, do you find, like you mentioned how having your first one was the hardest jump from 
like it really revealed the selfishness in you. Mm-hmm. I know for me that was true as well. And then, um, and then I made the mistake of kind of then elevating my kids to kind of being all about my kids, kind of, you know, not surrendering that God, their gods, kind of really feeling like I needed to make sure they went to music class and I did this and I did that. And we, and I kind of made them be the center of our world to like the detriment of marriage and, um, friendships and I, and even my own faith. And I think then I made the switch once I got to three where I was like, forget it. Where, where am I in this? Where is my marriage in this? And I like swung the other way where then it was all about me again. Do you struggle with one or the other, like too much about the kids or too much about you or all you all balanced there? Well, I would love to say that I am very balanced, but um, no, I think I swing all the time. I don't think, I think maybe I'm balanced in my unbalancedness. Mm. I, I don't, I don't have one way or the other that I find myself like really gravitating towards, but. I do know that, like, within any given day, I find myself swinging one way or the other. And both have their own, like, weird guilt associated with it. And so I find – but I really do find, like, if I can apply, like, the gospel to my own life and, like, sit there and preach to myself about, like, okay, I am not the Lord of my children, whether I have them – because it's such – for me to be like, I'm the worst school parent ever. Mm. I mean, there's so much paperwork and so much homework and things like that that come home and so many things that they want you to be involved in. Or, and my first grader, he will say like, there's so many things he wants to do that are just not possible. Well, it would be possible, but we have four kids. And if we're going to do that for him, we need to do it for the rest of the boys. And then that's just not possible. So there's things that make me feel like a less than mom. Mm. And um, I think I really tried to, when he started school again this year, because kindergarten, I was pregnant for most of kindergarten and we were starting the influence conference and the network and all that. And so it was just a crazy year Mm. and him starting kindergarten. I mean, I really was like world's worst school mom. And so starting first grade, I told his teacher, I was like, I verbally vomited to her and I was like, I'm going to do a really good job. I'm going to have everything, every, I'm going to have a binder that's going to have all this stuff in it. I'm going to know everything. And so I think I swung that way in that moment. I was just like, I thought by me being like the very best that I was somehow ensuring that he was going to be the very best. Mm. And um, it was, I mean, that has like good intentions, I think, but I think it revealed to me like a grossness in my heart. And like my husband, we walked out of the, like meet the teacher thing into the hallway and we were alone and he was like, what was that? <laughs> that was actual crazy. And he just was like, babe, like you are not acting like what you believe that like God is with our kids and that God has what's best for our kids. And that like, you are not good. It's not dependent on you. What like their success in the Lord is. So I definitely can swing that way, and then I definitely can swing the other way, too. Uh, And I think that, for me, is more in the little moments of, like, what you were saying, like, I deserve my time. I deserve quiet. Mm -hmm. I deserve to be able to do X, Y, or Z. And those are the moments where, um, again, like, it reveals, like, an ugly in my heart, but I also then get the chance to, like, preach the good news to myself Mm -hmm. and say, like, Yes, like I think I deserve 
that time, but God has gifted me with these children and he's equipped me to shepherd them well. And, um, that when I fail and when I do fall short, like there's grace for that and that he's already covered it. And that's also like a time where I can also say like, guys, kids, like, I'm so sorry. I am sorry that mommy was being selfish when I was short with you because I, you know, whatever, X, Y, or Z. Mm. But like, here's why that was selfish. And here is the good news that I get to, you know, rest in. And, you know, the icky that I feel in my heart, I know that you guys like feel that sometimes too. And the good news is, is that we get forgiveness for that if we repent. And it's just so good for me, like to be able to say those things out loud Mm -hmm. in the small moments when I like get to those with my kids. So, um, one of our next questions was how and when do you connect with God? Cause I feel like in order for us to be aware enough to, to preach the gospel back to ourselves, yeah, like when we swing off course, I kind of, you know, with the whole God centered thing, I kind of view it like we're tethered to God and, and we'll swing out of that circle and centeredness in him. And, but if we're not tethered, then we can't swing back. So like, where are your tethering points? Like, do you have a regular time or place or routine for that? Yeah. I wish I could say right now that I have some super regular, um, way that I like do devotions or that sort of thing. For me, I heard from somebody, I don't I wish I could remember who it was, but that their grandmother always kept a Bible open on the kitchen counter. Mm. And for me, that has been a huge, um, a huge touchstone for me because I'm always in my kitchen. I always Mm. joke that like, why do my kids want breakfast? We just had dinner. <laughs> yeah. um, and But we're always in the kitchen as moms. And so I'm always there. And I will just like really try to throughout the like grab points of time. And it helps that my like work also is like tied to ministry. And so I make time for those sort of things. And it's kind of, I have a lot of things that keep me accountable to growing in the Lord. And so that's super helpful. But just in my day-to-day time, um, like life, I just try to create like lots of small touchstones throughout the day. And I just am excited like when I get those moments. So do you have like, are you in any kind of um, community that keeps you accountable to that? You said you're in a ministry, but do you have like a Bible study or a women's group or Sunday school or anything like that that keeps you Yeah, I'm in a small group that my husband and I lead through our local church. And that, that I would say like when I am leading things that that super keeps me accountable. Mm -hmm. Um, And may not be somebody like day to day, like asking like, have you done this? Did you do this today? But just the fact that knowing like I have that responsibility to the Lord to lead well and to shepherd well, that is like, I'm one of those people who's very sensitive when like there's sin going on in my life and I really don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a tendency to be quick to apologize or quick to rip, you know, ask for forgiveness and go the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that for me is like, I write for she reads truth and that community in itself, like a writers, I just, and readers, like, I just don't want to, to be a detriment to that ministry. Mm-hmm. So that keeps me accountable. Just knowing that like, that God sees that. When it's really, I mean, I think one of the things I've kind of learned in this whole journey 
of um, really looking at spiritual disciplines and what does that mean is is having grown up in the church, I kind of think there's this part of us we have to have a quiet time and it has to look like this and it has to be this in-depth thing and and um, realizing really sometimes we could have those really in-depth quiet times. Sometimes my days when I have like the best morning in the Word and the Bible, I'm yelling within 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. it, and it's more just a connectedness to the Spirit throughout the day and seeing God all the time that's like really showing Christ more than this. Um, I mean, I do think we need to read the Bible and I do think we need to have times of prayer. And um, But if it's only there and it's not pouring out and you don't have that sensitivity to the Spirit, like you said, where sin doesn't feel right, I feel like that's because that's the unrighteousness that doesn't fit with the, with mm-hmm. who God has called us to be if we've surrendered our lives to him. So it doesn't feel right because, because the spirit is so present. Um, they just don't match. They don't go together. So I think that that speaks well that you feel that stirring and that you can immediately go back to your tethered point. And, um, and I think that in this season really, I think it's good for moms to hear that, you know, that there's options. And I actually, in our the other podcast, um, I think it's going to play before this one, is a mom of mine who's my mentor who has four older boys. And she said the thing about leaving the Bible out on the counter, you know, or just leaving it out on the table to have it be a place that you just go back to throughout the day. So that's good. That's super interesting. Yeah. And I do feel like, like purpose time of study and like reflection I think it's so important because I think that that's what like gives you those like touchstones to come back to yes you don't have like that kind of underlying foundation it's gonna you you will feel like a drift I think um but the times in my life that have been the most I've seen like the most fruit from are the times where I just do feel really in step with the spirit and really um and sometimes that doesn't look like a, you know, 40-minute morning devotion at, you know, before my kids get up and all of what the romanticized version, I think, of what we have is. Um, and I was going to say something else, and now I forget. I'm the worst. I'll think of it later, and it totally it, won't fit, but I'll still say it. That's that <laughs> that short memory. That's good. That's good. Just embrace yeah, that. Embrace that. Um, no, I think, I think, you know, and maybe some listeners, when we say things like getting in and t- touch with the spirit and walking in the spirit. That sounds like hoobie-jeebie. What do they mean yes, by mumbo. that? What kind of mumbo jumbo talk is that? And, um, I, I just, I think that if you change your definition of what connecting with God is, you can kind of see that. And, and I think you know, people, I think, we underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we claim Christ, we the Holy Spirit dwells in us, which means God is in us, which means the same Holy Spirit in me is in you, Haley, all the way in Indianapolis. Like, we have the exact, there's not multiple Holy Spirits. And if my mm-hmm. son has claimed faith in God, there's not a junior Holy Spirit. Like, it's the <laughs> exact same God. It's not like they get a miniature version. So I think... To realize, like, when getting in step with the Spirit, it really can affect not only our personal walk with God, but, like, our relationships. Like, when I noticed, you know, when I had a hard time after my my last baby came, I was having a hard time with relationships and friendships. And when I look back, I'm like, I, you know, yes, I was having a hard time with 
baby stuff or whatever you want to call it, postpartum or whatever. But I think there was also this like emptiness of spirit where I wasn't in tune and I wasn't sensitive to other people or even my own children. And, and, um, and I did do think it took me not relying on like social media things for my approval or other places for my approval to like, I really did need to have like a stripped down time of getting back to that tethered point and not out of a workspace, but more of a, a true getting back connected with the heart of God. I don't know. It just sounds, I guess it still sounds heebie-jeebie, mojo. What do you say? Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, no, I totally, I struggle because I'm like a big person where I feel like my writing style is a way to take like complicated thoughts and distill it down in ways that is everyday language and ways that people understand. But I really have a challenge in um, taking, I mean, the words from the tradition of our faith, like, are very descriptive, and they're very apt to um, to actually what happens. And I, my friend Jesse, I, I think my struggle with um, my relationships and my work online is that sometimes I feel like I'm not Jesus-y enough, and... Mm. So she will say, like, the, like, the God in you or the spirit in you is as, like, as spirity, as Jesus-y as it gets. Like, you can't have more or less. It just, like, is. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, like, a really aha moment. And that, I think, was when I really started saying, like, okay, it's not a thing of me, like, earning more or Mm -hmm. having more. Mm -hmm. It is just, like, a re-tethering or getting back to and closer to. And that was encouraging to me. And um, I was, I thought about what I was going to say earlier. Yes, I remembered good, it. Good. Um, after my second little guy was born, I went through a season of intense fear. Like I, I don't know what it was, what triggered it, but I was really, really afraid. I think it was like everything in my life had been good up to that point, and I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. And I somehow developed this really intense, like, medical fear. I thought Mm. that, like, I was always getting these really, like, terrible maladies that, like, didn't have a cure or whatever. So, so silly looking in retrospect. But it felt extremely real to me at the time. And I – you were asking, like, how do you stay connected with God? And how do you come back to that point if you feel like you've not – if you're not at there as much. Mm-hmm. And for me, like at that time, like it sounds similar to your time when you felt disconnected in relationships. I knew that this like fear was not of God. Mm. And so I went for a month. I was in a women's Bible study at the time. And it really wasn't so much a Bible study as it was just a committed time of prayer. We were in it was set up like a, a traditional women's Bible study. Like you go every week, you have a group just what, you know, you would expect. But instead of studying scripture, we just got together and prayed. And then at the beginning, we made a commitment of like a time, an amount of time that we were going to pray every day. And we also were challenged to find a routine that worked for us. And so I committed at Cooper. My second was like 
six or nine months old at the time. And I committed that every day for a month, I was going to pray for 30 minutes at the very beginning of nap time because I knew that I could get in 30 minutes before my kids started fussing, even if they were having like a terrible nap day. Mm-hmm. So for me, I went 30 days of praying 30 minutes a day of like very focused prayer time. And it was the most fruitful time in my spiritual life that I can look back to aside from being a new believer. And um, for me, that was like, that's something that I still look back to. And I say like, God started a huge work in me in that season. That's still like, I'm still feeling like the reverberations from that. Wow. So for me, that was like, and I haven't done it since. It, it feels like very overwhelming to do now. Yeah. I'm like, well, when would I do that? How could yeah. I do that? Yeah. But um, I just had a notebook and I just wrote prayers for 30 minutes every day. Wow. Um, so anyway. Yeah, and I and I do think like we see in the Bible like Jesus going in the desert mm-hmm. and getting away right before he started his ministry. Like I do think that there is fruit for that stripping down, getting just you and God and finding something like that. And I think if if a listener is finding themselves in a really anxious, overwhelmed, depressed place that that maybe the tether's been, you know, you're always going to be connected with God, especially if you have claimed him mm-hmm. and you are saved. You will not lose that. But the distance um, on that line can grow greater. And I think that to just pull in the rope little by little, have, dedicating that time to God, I think that um, I do think you'll see fruit. And, and, and once you're there, like you said, it's easy to go back. It, it, it's not so hard. You don't have to feel this pressure of, of dedicated, I mean, but wouldn't you, we would both like benefit right now if we could do 30 minutes of, instead of us just sitting here talking, like oh, yeah. if we just journaled our prayer. Yeah. I do think, and, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. That is very good. Okay. So, um, I didn't tell you about this question and I just thought of cool. it. Uh, what is your favorite resource for helping you focus on God that you've ever had? Oh gosh, um, that is a really good. In the good whole history of time, ever eternity. Okay, I for me, aside from scripture, I think that's a given, right? Right, right. Um, for me, having older women invested in my life mm-hmm. has been the biggest thing. I mean, and it's hard. I think that our generation of women, I think that there's like a tension between, um like 20-somethings and 30-somethings, and then women who are older than us and who have gone before us. And I think right now um, there's that tension of, or at least this is what I've heard. I'm not putting any thoughts in anybody's mouth, but I don't think you have thoughts in your mouth. I'm not putting any thoughts (laughs) in people's head or words in people's mouth. But um, I think there's this tension of older women think like, oh, those younger girls, like they think they've got it all together. And so like they don't want our help. And then I think that there's the tension for the younger women who are thinking like, gosh, the older women are so busy. Like they just don't have any time. Mm. And so I think that there's this thing and I'm hoping that in, I don't know how, how it will happen, but I'm hoping that there will be a shift in like the women Christian culture Mm. of more openness about that. Because I really don't think that there's anything better than having an older woman that is not just like casually invested, but actually like is for you and wants to see your growth. 
And I think and another, I think another thing that we noticed last year at this Illum conference, I remember my friend Kristen, she sat down at a table. She just decided she'd sit down somewhere and whoever got put next to her was who she was supposed to sit with. And this older one was there and she just looked really dejected and, um, upset. And she was talking to her and she just felt irrelevant. Like because of the technology yeah. and because of all the information we have and all the books we have and how we somehow as young moms think we know everything about parenting and are writing blogs about it and, Young people can have books published now and you don't even, wisdom isn't really valued because we have information that she just felt irrelevant and she felt like she couldn't even blog or write about it because she didn't really know how to use the technology at at her hands. And so, I mean, I've even found like my mentor is a wealth of information and I just want more people to know what she has to share and, and to get in a relationship with her just via online sources and so I've like been mentoring her on the techie side as she mentors me on how to raise boys. And it's been like a really nice exchange of, you know, value. Like she is valued to me and for her to see that and and then for me to like give her whatever tools I can in exchange. I don't know. I think that creating more of those relationships um, and, and helping give, give, make, a generation above us feel valued because for whatever reason they don't. And, I, and that's too bad. Yeah. I do have one more thing. Yeah. Also, I love reading biographies of women of the faith who have like come before us. Who is your I, favorite? And I think it's the same thing. Uh, I love Elizabeth Elliot. I just, I think she's like the, she's like, I love like reading her books. I think it's amazing to be able to have, it's like if you don't have a real life mentor and a lot of women our age don't, and that's unfortunate. But I think that you can find a lot of that wisdom still in reading either their works or works about them. And I just think it's encouraging because you see that, like, life was hard. And, like, there were things that were really, really hard. But God was still, like, their unshakable core. Mm. And that's just always encouraging to me. Yeah. So. And, yeah, and I'm hoping with this podcast for anyone who's listening – I, for whatever reason, God has placed a lot of women in my life who've gone through really hard things, and um, God has, like, been the constant. Instead of them turning away from God, they have sought Him more, and I think it's encouraging for us sometimes when we fear the worst, what usually related to our family, um, we, we don't trust God, and to see that these women came out of it stronger, um, I think hopefully will encourage us to be centered in God more, but I think our time is up, sadly, Haley, so you're going to have to come back again, and we're just going to have to chat about even more fun things. All right. I'm up for it. Okay. Okay, good. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for um, listening to our conversation about how to be a God-centered mom, and Haley, go have an awesome Halloween with your kids. I will. Thank you so much, Heather. All right. Adios. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. I hope you enjoyed our guests as much as I did. And if you're looking for resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. I want you to know that God is just as present at your kitchen sink as your church pew, that he sees your service and he is pleased. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.